Good morning and welcome to our service at Winkler Berchtaler Mennonite Church for July 18. Uh, we're glad you're with us today and uh, today we've got a bit of a treat in store. We uh, requested from uh, our members to send in pictures so that we can remember what we look like. And so we're going to see a bit of that in our prelude and postlude today. So pull up a chair, bring your Bible, and let's worship together.
Thank you, Heather Dirksen, for your uh, worship and song leading. Welcome to each one of you for connecting to worship with us at Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church. Before we continue, let us briefly look at our announcements. I ask that we pray for our missionaries. That's Preston and Myra Wheeler. And also, there's a request to uh, pray for the bunker staff and volunteers during the busy summer of the fundraising events. And a change that we're dealing with here at Winkler Berchtaler Church, the worship services on Channel 12. Due to staff changes at Valley Cable, our worship services will not be aired on Sunday mornings on Channel 12. They will only be aired on Tuesday beginning at 4 p.m. and will be shown through the evening and the night. A note on the Vacation Bible School. As Education Committee, we are considering creating a VBS program for our church for this summer. We would ask that you pray for about this. Details need to be worked out. For any suggestions, comments, uh, or to volunteer, contact Anna Friesen at 204-325-9421. Uh, also, Gospel Echoes is looking for volunteers, for cashiers, cashier helpers, and persons to sort and price items. You can contact them. And for our call to worship, let us read 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 15. The heading in my Bible says to be holy. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 15. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so Be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. I ask that you pray with me. Dear holy, loving God, we come to you with thanksgiving for your availability and your love and your grace that you make available to us. Help us to accept it, and may your Holy Spirit guide each of our thoughts. We praise you, Jesus, for the forgiveness for our sins that you give us through the shedding of your blood. Forgive us where we fail. Lord, we pray that you would meet the needs of those that have Various health concerns. Lord, you know where they are, whether they are in hospital or not. We thank you for your word that we can depend on. Continue to lead Heather Dirksen as she leads worship through singing. Lead Eileen Engbrecht as she presents the children's story. Lead Elsie Rempel as she reads your word and direct Pastor Victor Engbrecht as he presents your message to each of us. We pray for you that you would meet each one of our needs, and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. strange and divine 
morning. How are you all today? It's another beautiful day outside. So, 
What is this? It's the Bible. And do you know what is in the Bible? God's own word to us. And what does it tell us? What is God's word telling us? Everything we need to know. Where we came from, where we're going, why we're here, how we should live. And God's word is true. Very exciting. So, now school is out, and you're not doing that anymore, but now it's time for a lot of fun summer activities. Camping, maybe going to the lake or the pool. And later on in summer, we're hoping to have VBS for our church kids, and we look forward to that. Well, I love bike riding. And uh, the other day, I got to go bike riding with my grandchildren. So I put on my sun hat so that I'd be able to see well. I packed my water bottle. I packed some snacks. And I think I was all ready to go. Put my backpack on, which I won't do now because it might interfere with the mic. (laughs) But there was one more thing I needed to do. And that was to give my grandchildren a few rules. You see, they're from the country. And they love coming to my house to go bike riding in town because the roads are so nice and smooth. Our paved roads. They're used to bumpy gravel roads. And they are also used to riding in the middle of the road with no care about cars coming by. So I knew I needed to give them a few rules so that we could be safe and have a really good time bike riding. So, these are the rules that I gave them. Stay biking on the side of the road, and when you get to a stop sign, stop and wait for me before you cross over the road. Do those sound like very hard rules? Do they sound... Like the kind of rules that I would give them just so that they would have no fun bike riding? Of course not. I gave them those rules to protect them so that they could safely have a very fun time bike riding, so that we could have a very good time bike riding around town. But guess what happened? After a little while, we had a little bit of a problem. At one part in the bike ride, one of my grandsons, I guess he decided that he didn't want to follow my rules anymore. He thought he was really smart and didn't need to. He thought he knew better. And he wanted to do it his own way, the way he did it uh, at home. Well, at one point, I had to shout, stop! Because he almost got hit by a car going too close to the road. And I'm very thankful that he decided to listen, to obey, and that he very quickly stopped. You know, it frightened him to hear me shout so loud at him. But it frightened me too, because he could have easily gotten hurt very badly if he had not obeyed me. Well, you know, he thought he was pretty smart. Because we had been biking for a short while already, and he thought he understood everything that he needed to know. But he did not understand all the dangers of riding in town. He didn't know where to look out for the dangers that would come very quickly. He didn't understand how the traffic moved and what was best for staying safe. But I did. I do understand how the traffic moves in town. 
I could see farther than him, and I could tell when there would be danger coming. And so I could make some wiser and better decisions for keeping him safe. I was very happy to give him a great big hug and to tell him I loved him and to ask him to please obey me as we kept going. And he did. Well, you know, God has given us some rules and guidelines in the Bible for how he wants us to live. Remember, it tells us everything we need to know. He hasn't given us those rules to take away our fun or to make life hard for us or to make us unhappy. God has given us those rules to protect us. God loves us, and he wants the very best for us. He wants us to be able to live a joyful and full life in Jesus. But we need to trust him. Just like my grandkids needed to trust that I knew better than them, we need to trust God and his word. We need to trust that God knows what is best for us and know that he loves us so very much. And so, let's also not only trust and believe it, but then also choose to obey it. And God will help us with that. He tells us that he will help us. Well, I have two very short memory verses that you can work on. One of them is John 10, verse 10, and it says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That means for us to have the best life we can. And that happens as we love Jesus and obey what he asks us to do. The other verse is from John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if we love Jesus, let's choose to obey what he says in the Bible. Now, a while ago, I, we sang together the obedience song. And I'd like us to sing that together again today. Would you join me? Obedience. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly as the Lord commands and doing it happily. Action is the key to obediency and joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Let's choose to obey. Would you please pray with me? Jesus, thank you again that you love us so very, very much. Thank you that you have given us the Bible, your very own word, to tell us everything we need to know about life, about how you want us to live. Thank you that you've given us instructions and rules for living that help to protect us and give us that full life in Jesus. Thank you that your word, the Bible, is true, and we can trust it. Help us every day to choose to obey you. We sure love you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Amen. Have a good day. Good morning. Today's reading is Psalm 99. I'll be reading out of the NIV version. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. 
He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of of cloud. He kept his statutes and decrees he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Thus far today's reading. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the holiness of God. I hope you're, uh, you've had a good week. I'm hoping you'll have another good week. And uh, we want to now focus on an aspect of God that uh, maybe sometimes escapes our attention. God is familiar to us. And we have become accustomed to his mercy and his kind provision in all areas of our lives. We even get used to uh, living a very stable, uh, in a very stable sense of peace with our God. We feel like we're well anchored, like we're well oriented, and like we're well cared for. And so our tendency uh, is that we forget. And we forget some of the attributes of our God, and one of these is His holiness. As Christians, we need reminders about what is important in life. The Israelites observed the annual Passover meal to remember their deliverance and their deliverer as, uh, as they observe that meal. And we do the same. Uh, we remember our deliverance and our deliverer when we observe the Lord's Supper. Today's message also is a reminder, a reminder that we serve a holy God. And what does that mean? It means to be set apart from the common. That's what holy means, to be set apart from the common. And uh, specifically as it relates to God, it means that uh, he is utterly clean from every defilement and he is pure in heart, completely devoid of sin. I'm going to take a quick historical tour of the children of Israel so that we can see how the kingdom of Israel split into two kingdoms and how that northern kingdom came to a complete end. I will look at the message of one prophet, Amos specifically, and and the judgment that was given to him to proclaim to Israel. And in this process, I hope that we will recognize God's holiness. So a bit of history to, to get us started. After Moses led Israel out of Egypt and crossed through the Red Sea, they immediately headed for Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, God made a covenant with Israel. That was about 1447 BC. As part of that covenant, terms were included that promised blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. You can find these blessings and curses in Leviticus 26 and also in Deuteronomy 29. 28? One of them. Here's a taste of Leviticus 26. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its fruit, sorry, its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And then it continues like that for 10 verses of the blessings that God is just going to shower on his people. Then the curses begin and starts this way. But if you will not listen to me and will not do these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And that goes on 
for not just 10 verses, 20 verses, until there's nothing left to curse. The purpose of these blessings and curses should be obvious, to encourage obedience and discourage disobedience. Israel then, after Mount Sinai, spent 40 years in the wilderness because they did not obey God's instruction to enter the promised land the first time. After those 40 years, Israel entered the promised land and claimed it. For 400 years, they were led by judges. Then Israel rejected God as their king, and they wanted a king like the nations around them. So God gave them a king. For 120 years, Israel had relative stability. 40 years under King Saul, 40 years under King David, and 40 years under King Solomon. Then, because of Solomon's sin in building altars to false gods for his many foreign wives, God split the kingdom in two. He tore ten tribes away from the rule of Solomon's son Rehoboam, and uh, so he was only left with uh, the tribe of Judah, And ten tribes of the northern kingdom were given to a man called Jeroboam. The results of sin had already done a lot of damage to the nation of Israel. So this was Jeroboam's chance to reaffirm Israel's obedience to God. And through the prophet Ahijah, the Lord said to Jeroboam, If you do whatever I command you, and you walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes, by keeping my statutes and commands, as David my, servant, David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. Well, that's a pretty awesome promise. But, do you know what he did? He didn't take God's direction so that no one in the northern kingdom of Israel would ever go or think they needed to go to Jerusalem again in Judah to worship, Jeroboam built two golden calves. And he placed one at Bethel at the south end of the country and one at Dan at the north end. Plus, he cast out all the Levitical priests and he appointed his own priests to be priests in Israel. What do you think was the consequence of that? Well, it was this. None of the 20 kings in the history of the northern kingdom departed from Jeroboam's sin. Every one of them did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. After the kingdom divided, the northern kingdom lasted only 208 years. Throughout most of that period, God raised up prophets among the people until Israel was defeated by her enemies. And as the end was nearing, God sent a number of prophets to Israel. Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, Micah. What was their purpose? To warn Israel of her sins and to call the people back to God. Repentance. The prophets took the word of God and delivered it to the people of God. They also proclaimed only what was given to them to say. So as the nation persisted in evil, year after year, decade after decade, king after king, the voices of the prophets got more intense as God warned the people what would happen if they would not repent. At a basic level, the prophets were reminding the people about the terms of the covenant. Blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. One of the prophets that God raised up was a man called Amos. He was a shepherd of Tekoa, and Tekoa was about eight miles south of Jerusalem. But he was sent north to Israel. Take your Bibles and let's turn to Amos chapter 2, verse 6. And let's listen to him. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading from Amos this morning. As we read Amos, imagine the spiritual condition of Israel. 
And then ponder the spiritual condition of us Mennonites. Is there a parallel between the demise of the northern kingdom of Israel and the diminishing of the Mennonites in our country? Amos chapter 2, verse 6. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as upon the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they drink wine taken as fines. I destroyed the Amorite before them, though he was tall as the cedars and strong as the oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots below. I brought you up out of Egypt, and I led you for forty years in the desert to give you the land of the Amorites. I also raised up prophets from among your sons and Nazarites from among your young men. Is this not true, people of Israel, declares the Lord. And if you remember what a Nazarite is, a Nazarite was someone who who took a vow and at the beginning of that vow would shave his head bald and then after that no razor would touch his head and he would commit to not drinking any wine or strong drink. Then it says here, But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. Now then, I will crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape. The strong will not muster their strength. The fleet-footed soldier will not get away and the horseman will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. Hear this word. The Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family I brought out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Makes sense, doesn't it? A man disciplines his own son, not somebody else's. If we belong to God, he punishes. Verse 12. This is what the Lord says. As a shepherd saves from the lion's mouth only two leg bones or a piece of an ear, so will the Israelite be saved. Those who sit in Samaria on the edge of their beds and in Damascus on their couches. Hear this and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. On the day I punish Israel for her sins, I will destroy the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will tear down the winter house along with the summer house. The houses adorned with ivory will be destroyed and the mansions will be demolished, declares the Lord. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. The the sovereign Lord has sworn in his holiness, the time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. Verse 4 of chapter 4. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Galgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Burn leavened bread as a thank offering and brag about your freewill offerings, Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the Sovereign Lord. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none, and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. 
Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards. I struck them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did in Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched out of snatched from the fire, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. You know, sometimes people accuse the God of the Old Testament of being a harsh and unrelenting judge, a warmonger. But has he not been patient? Two hundred years with this group of people. Did he not pursue them? Has he not, did he not invite Israel back into relationship? Chapter 4, verse 12. Therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel. And because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. He who forms the mountains creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth. The Lord Almighty is his name. Then God pauses for a little bit before he, um, before he calls for repentance one last time. Chapter 5, verse 4. This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. And by the way, uh, Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba were places that people would meet to worship and, and offer sacrifices. For Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the house of Joseph like a fire. It will devour, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. You who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. Verse 10. You hate the one who reproves you in court and despise him who tells truth. You trample on the poor and force him to give you grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted flush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. You oppress the righteous and take bribes, and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore the prudent man keeps quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Down to verse 18. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark? without a ray of brightness? I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll down like a river, righteousness, sorry, righteousness like a never-failing stream. This is a warning to all those who think that they have checked all the boxes for expected behavior, that they can look forward to heaven. They go to church, they sing the songs, they bow their heads in prayer. 
They even put something in the offering plate. Meanwhile, they mistreat people for their own gain, withhold forgiveness as some kind of vengeance, and they pollute all their relationships with the idolatry of self-worship, patting themselves on the back for the wonderful people that they are. All of us are susceptible to that. It creeps in like weeds in the garden. And then, thinking they had it all together, they became complacent. Chapter 6. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Calneh and look at it. Go from there to great Hamath, then go down to Gath in Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the evil day and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds inlaid with ivory and couches and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and your lounging will end. As I think about what Amos has been saying, I wonder, do we Mennonites grieve over the ruin of our people? When we see many of our people running after the gods of this age, are we grieved? Mennonite Church Manitoba used to be 61 churches strong, many of them bursting with young people. Today we're, they are reduced to about 37 congregations or so. Many are less than half full, with more seniors than youth. Do we mourn when we see the disintegration of our people? Chapter 7, verse 7. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Remember Jeroboam? The first king in the northern kingdom of Israel that put that nation on a course to idolatry along with a false priesthood. The consequences of their choices had come home to roost. Chapter 8. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket full of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Lord, the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Verse 11. The days are coming, declares the Lord, the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food, or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and strong young men will be faint because of thirst. They who swear by the shame of Samaria, or say, as surely as your God lives, O Dan, or as surely as the God of Beersheba lives, they will fall, never to rise again. If you listen, 
these days to the sermons preached at the churches who are drinking society's Kool-Aid, you will witness this famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord firsthand. They preach what their itching ears want to hear, and they do not preach the word of the Lord. Amos prophesied to Israel about 30 to 40 years before the northern kingdom fell. Hosea was the last king in Israel, and here's how Second Kings records the end of that kingdom. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and it deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Halah, in Gozan, on the Habor River, and in the towns of the Medes. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king, Pharaoh the king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones and asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. At every high place, they burned incense, as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that provoked the Lord to anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, You shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their fathers who did not trust the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their fathers and the warnings he had given them. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. And they did the things the Lord had forbidden them to do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshipped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sorcery and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left, and even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them out of his presence. When he tore Israel away from the house of David, they made Jeroboam son of Nebat their king. Jeroboam enticed Israel away from following the Lord and caused them to commit a great sin. The Israelites persisted in the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them until the Lord removed them from his presence as he warned through all his servants, the prophets. The Lord our God is a holy God. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. God acts with justice and righteousness. He loves and he judges with fairness, integrity, and mercy. For over 200 years, God was patient and merciful with the northern kingdom. Even with last-minute invitations to repent, Israel rejected God and finally paid the price. 
the consequences of our sin are real. The warnings of God are real. As long-suffering as God is, the day of reckoning will surely come. I'm not sure we can draw a straight line from the demise of Israel to the crumbling of our people. But what we do see is that there is consequence and punishment for abandoning the ways of the living God. When God's people turn to false gods, there's consequence to follow. And if that people persist in their rebellion, eventually they will become not a people. This is a time of mourning for our people because we see the rebellion against his word. A holy God cannot abide a corrupt and rebellious people. A holy God will not endure them forever. A holy God hates sin and pretense and brings evil to its end. But this is also a time of rejoicing because we do serve a holy God. He welcomes all who repent and turn from their evil ways. He is trustworthy in his judgments. He is faithful to do right and devoid of all sin and every corruption. Our God is immaculate in character and pristine in his purity, worthy of our fear and worship. Do we consider the holiness of God in our thoughts? Do we think about God's holiness as we choose our words and actions? Do we observe the command to be holy because he is holy? Let me read again for you Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord your God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, when we look at these accounts, when we listen to the prophet Amos, we recognize that we too are wretched people. So Father, as we uh, confess the sins that you bring to mind, as we again remember that you are holy, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would humble humble us and help us to humble ourselves and help us to remember that there is none like you. In Jesus' name, amen.
And now this uh, blessing for today from Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us.